Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, an AWS podcast focused on personal lessons of leadership, culture, and technology from business leaders across the globe. Enjoy today's conversation. I'm really pleased to welcome Aisha Zafar, who's the Head of Strategic Capability at the Department for Work and Pensions. We're going to talk about the challenges that government leaders face, getting the right skills and capability to push forward their transformation programmes. Aisha, welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Perhaps if we can start with one of the most common questions that we hear leaders ask. We read all the time how tight resource is. So do you have any experience, advice that would help them with that question? I think one of the challenges will always be money. I think that is the nature of it. But I think part of that is when it comes to resource, for example, that you are attracting people who aren't necessarily motivated just by money. If you're really clear about the impact and value you can have working in public service and public sector, that is something that can attract somebody and make them feel actually really interested in working somewhere with not necessarily the highest pay, but what they know they'll get out of that is other benefits. So they will feel that sense of achievement. They will be working on initiatives, programs, services that are impacting people. That is really great benefits. They might want benefits around pension. They might want flexible working They want an environment where they might feel they can be much more themselves. There's a number of different things that we often think about when we talk about an employee experience. And that's probably most acutely important in the public sector because of the pay challenge. It's really interesting that you say the kinds of people perhaps who come to do these jobs are not only motivated by money and they are motivated by this sense of public service. Do you think that those other benefits that you've spoken about, so for example, pension or perhaps training benefits, are are well known to be advantages of working in the public sector? Is there a brand issue there, perhaps? In terms of that brand issue, I think we don't do a great job, generally, I think, of saying working in the public sector, there's a range of things that you can get out of that, not just monetary-wise or benefits-wise, but even for your career, I think people also don't realise that the career opportunities, the development opportunities and the breadth of things that you could work on is huge. What's our unique proposition? Um, And so the work that we've done around recruitment has been, for example, promoting the type of projects and work that you can do when you're in DWP Digital, the amazing impact that you can have on people's lives. Government isn't necessarily always the most streamlined process. So we've had to think about what are our processes and what do they say about our brand? Does it make it feel like it's a great, shiny tech organisation or does it feel like, a you know, maybe quite clunky and old school? So we've looked at the full kind of employee experience to get to that place. That's really interesting. So you've almost digitally transformed the recruitment process to get the right people to do the digital transformation. Is that about people with a particular mindset and approach that you're looking for, rather than necessarily only specific technological skills? But that mindset, how important is that? We absolutely want to attract people who've got those skills, but we're talking more broadly around the environment, the culture, the expectations, so that from the outset you are matching that. People talk about culture ad, not culture fit. Yeah, this isn't about fitting our culture. This is about for them, how can they complement what we've got? But then also how can their kind of mindset and ways of working make sure that we can be at the forefront of innovation? We can deliver the best services to the public and we want people who are coming in with those ideas. 
We are talking a lot about people coming in and obviously that's a really big part of getting the right balance of skills when you want to start a big project. What about the people that you already have? How do you look internally to get the talent and the people with that mindset that's so important to you? It's definitely something that you can't and shouldn't ever overlook. The talent that you've already got, the people that you've already got. One of the things that we've done is we've implemented a skills capture tool because what we didn't have was a really good understanding of the kind of skills, the knowledge and experiences that our colleagues had. We know their job title, but beyond that, unless you're the line manager or a colleague, you wouldn't necessarily know centrally. How does that then look at that against what we need for the future and the kind of roles that we've got? But also the current projects and work, it's definitely not always about new. It's always about how do you kind of retain and motivate those that you've got. I think what would be really interesting is to think about perhaps a real project where you've put together a really successful project team and and how you did that. I think something that's really important is being really clear from the outset what the vision, the ambition and the timescales are and the budgets, you know, who's already there in the team that can support on this work. And that can be a challenge for all of us because we might have some brilliant people, but we can't afford to take them off what they're doing. I've definitely had situations where... Uh, Colleagues have been quite frustrated that other people come in to kind of shiny project roles and they are left doing their business as usual. Being part of a really big organisation, I'm really lucky that we've got lots of people who are interested in moving for short term opportunities. And that's a real priority for me. They get then a sense of what it's like to work in digital or work on certain projects. And then also we give them that support and also we can have somebody with internal subject matter knowledge. That is often something that, that is important. So when it comes to larger scale projects, there's then a whole different model where you might have a commercial framework in place. If it's bigger, you might need to bring people in for two to three years internally to move them on that. There's multiple programmes, as you can imagine, government where we are moving people around all the time, where we're really thinking about where best to utilise resource, where best to utilise kind of people's expertise. And the key thing in that is always setting expectations. I'm wondering, over the period of time that you've been doing this at the Department for Work and Pensions, have you seen a raising across the board of the level of skills that help transformation and help modernisation because of these small projects? Absolutely. People have been digitally transforming for years and years, even if it's not a formal programme whether you're a small council, whether you're a large, you know, central government department, where I am, we've increased our headcount, you know, which has been brilliant. So what we're not doing is just having short term temporary resource. What we've got is some real key individuals who are permanently with us and or people who've moved in and, you know, cycled through through different departments or teams. Then they've provided their insights and skills. They've been then building their expertise and knowledge through colleagues or through training. On top of that, we have formal programmes which are around, for example, those of our colleagues who have got less kind of less digitally savvy, who aren't at the more technology end, to give them that confidence in digital, to make sure that they feel able to be part of this world. As an organisation, we have responsibility to make sure that we provide the right tools, the right support, infrastructure. And I think it's the classic critical mass. The more and more of us that are working on these projects, bringing people in who aren't technology focused or in technical roles, that's definitely helpful and it's definitely important as well. What sort of training then do you feel is a sort of minimum that you need to get that level of comfort that you need in order to deliver the work? 
I think ultimately for us, we want people to be able to do their best work. We want people to come to work and be content. We don't want people to feel stressed about it. So for whatever their role is, that we're really clear, for example, what the job description is, what the skills needed are, making sure that the right training plan for somebody to be able to do their job effectively to me is most important. Picking up there on how much of people's development needs to be from the organisation and how much do you see people wanting to learn and train and develop and gain new skills for their own sake? We're all different as human beings and we're motivated by different things. There are absolutely people that you know when you put a course on or you do a lunch and learn and say, come and learn about something over lunchtime or we ask for volunteers to get involved in something. There'll be some people who are absolutely there. It's the thing that motivates them the most. They want to learn, they want to participate. And then you might have others who are quite comfortable kind of where they are in their role. But I think definitely in the era that we're in now where things are changing, even if they aren't that interested in, for example, learning for themselves, they've got amazing knowledge and insights they can pass on to others. We've put, for example, apprentices in teams where we've got, you know, some of our older workforce who are, you know, ready for retirement. But actually, giving back has been fantastic for them. And it's been brilliant for the apprentice and the trainees. And it's been great for us as an organisation to see. Do you see signs that all of this transformation in itself, transformation in the way that you train and develop people recruit them, support them. How have you seen that make a difference? I mean, does it make a difference, for example, have you seen improved retention? Can you sort of see measurable impact from all of this work that you've done over these years? I'd say yes, in that we have, if you think about some real tangible infrastructure things, we've now captured the skills of our organisation and of all of our colleagues. We've had development plans for years, But there was a period where people had stopped doing that. We're now seeing people creating development plans. We are seeing an interest in our training spend and requirements or requests for training go up. We've now got succession plans in place for roles that we didn't think we would have. We've recruited people into roles, especially trainees, where we couldn't recruit through the kind of formally permanent roles. We had vacancies that were open for a long time that we've now filled through apprentices and trainees. I find it much easier now when I talk to my stakeholders about we really need to focus on development. And before it was recruitment, we had lots of roles to fill. We were doing massive transformation and it was just like we have to fill vacancies. We're still doing massive transformation, but the difference is people are saying, yes, Aisha, we need the balance. We need to think about bringing in development trainees. We need to think about how much time and effort we put in because the rewards in the end are great. We need to think about, like I said, retention by keeping people, by creating great development opportunities, by having great leaders, by creating an environment where people get great work to do. We have lots of people who are moving internally, being promoted. So there's lots of different things that we can see, but I would absolutely say we're not there. I'd say it's an ongoing kind of change, but we hope that ultimately we are going to have, you know, an even more engaged, productive workforce that can deliver even better things more quickly. You are really, really great at acknowledging that there isn't a one-size-fits-all for successful recruitment, retention, development. And you've got loads of real hands-on experience of doing this in a very challenging department. I think it would be really great to hear what you might have done differently or what you would have liked to have known and therefore would have done differently six years ago when you started this journey? When I joined government, I 
didn't fully appreciate, I didn't fully know the scope and the scale and the complexities of all of the different things that happened. And my ambition was 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 huge. And people will say it'll take ages and it's that complicated. I'm like, I know, but it will still happen. So I'm definitely so proud of the fact that the, the work that we've done, not just me, my teams and colleagues, has been incredible. And we've shifted things to a position where a number of people have said to me they never thought that we would ever be there. I'd say don't get overwhelmed by it. Really think about what are those quick wins? What are the small things? What can you learn from others? What can you put in place that you feel will most benefit your stakeholders, your colleagues? And I think when you talk about developing people, recruiting people, when you talk about that, especially within the tech world, within government, there is so much out there. There is so much you can do. There is so much that 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 is still to do. But be kind to yourself and know that actually, you know, just starting somewhere and starting that journey and getting that support from others is brilliant and a great start be kind to yourself is a lovely way to to finish up and thank you very much aisha for sharing all of that with us thank you thanks for listening to this episode of conversations with leaders brought to you by aws executive insights for more on these topics visit aws.amazon.com executive insights while there be sure to learn more about aws exec leaders an invite only global community for business and technology leaders Thank you.